Welcome to University Hill, located on the campus of the University of British Columbia in beautiful Vancouver. Each week, we gather on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. We worship, sing, pray, and engage with scripture as we seek to grow in faith and as followers of Jesus. We pray that this podcast of scripture passages and sermons preached will bless your own faith journey. And of course, you're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning. Check out uhill.net for a Zoom link and more information. Our second reading is Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all in in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your word and for the promise that you are the God who longs to be known by us, who has been made known to us. And so we pray that uh, this morning we would hear your word well, that we would open ourselves to your stirring, to your comfort, and to your conviction. And we pray that you would bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds, that they'd be acceptable in your sight. We pray in the name of Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, both in and out of the church, uh, this time of year seems pivotal. It feels pivotal, right? Whether we're switching a whole new calendar and embracing the fresh start of January 1st, or we're here celebrating the second and last Sunday of Christmas with Epiphany just on the horizon, it feels like we're in a time where there's kind of wideness ahead of us. I think for, for many people, this feels like a, a time of possibility, the beginning of a new year. Now, obviously, it's kind of arbitrary. Uh, every day is a day of possibility. We don't need a special date in order to get in shape or to write our novel or to do whatever it else is we might have resolved to do this year. We don't need Christmas to come to an end in order for us to live into the hope and promise of Epiphany and beyond. But, you know, I think we like these times of transition. I like these times of transition. 
you know, most of us probably can't help being just a little more introspective. I think these times when we might be a little bit more inclined to take stock and kind of move forward are a gift in the ebb and flow of our lives. We're somehow more aware that what's behind is behind and what's ahead is waiting for us, whatever that may be. And I, I think that St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians is a great gift for pivotal times. Uh, when we might find ourselves a little more open and eager for newness, because the letter is written in a way that assumes that an encounter with God in Christ is a pivotal reality. It assumes that if we know that know what we know about God, if, as Paul puts it, God has made known the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, then that demands that we order our lives accordingly. If we know what God wants in the world, that makes a claim on us. We have a choice to make. I really love the opening lines of the letter that, that Bernadette just read for us. Thank you, Bernadette. Uh, after a, a brief introduction and blessing, Paul kind of dives right into the deep end. Uh, reminding the Ephesian congregation, reminding us as the church, or, or maybe telling us for the first time what the conditions are that, in which we now live and move and have our being. And he begins this way. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, the, the thing that Paul wants us to know as we try to figure out what it means to live the gospel, this good news of great joy for all people is this. God's determination is to bless us with everything that heaven has to offer, every spiritual blessing. Whatever is going on, whatever the road ahead holds, and some of us might be feeling a little bit anxious about that right now. We may not have a whole lot of sense of possibility right now, but whatever is going on and whatever is ahead of us, this is true. This holds. If Christmas tells us anything, it's that heaven is not shy of earth. And Paul can't make it any more clear. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That heaven, that realm of creation in which God's hope, peace, joy, and love are perfectly lived, has to offer in Christ, through Christ, in the name of Jesus, the storehouses of heaven have been kicked wide open. And of course, I think the adjective is important here, right? It, we, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, some of the most wretched distortions of the gospel tell us that if we're good enough or we believe hard enough or we just trust God enough that we'll be blessed with every material blessing. And unfortunately, that message only works if no one reads their Bibles or listens to Jesus. Now, just before uh, Kate and I got married, I had the chance to go to Guatemala and to, to work with this organization called Wells of Hope. And their primary work is to drill wells way up in these mountain villages that have essentially no uh, infrastructure so that folks can get clean, fresh water without having to walk miles to get it. It's quite an amazing organization. And the, the guy who founded it, Ted Vanderzaum and his wife, uh, Miriam, are, are incredible people. If you want to check it out, it's wellsofhope.com. <laughs> Uh, a, a really, a really cool organization. But while I was there, we got to go to church. <laughs> uh, this may not be a highlight for everybody's trip, but I, I was pretty happy. 
Uh, and, you know, the, the service was uh, a Roman Catholic service and it was in Spanish. So I only had kind of a loose <laughs> grasp on what was happening. Uh, but the place was packed, right? And it was a scene. I mean, folks came here to worship. And we were told after the fact that, that many of them would have walked miles. Some of them traveled for hours uh, because the one priest who's responsible for tens of thousands of people living in the mountains of Guatemala uh, would show up in these little churches in a different village each week, and this week was this place's turn. And so they flocked from all over the place to sing hymns of praise, to hear God's word, to receive the, the Eucharist like it was the most important thing in the world, because it is. These folks had almost nothing materially, but spiritually they were blessed beyond measure. And, and I don't want to say that, that material blessing is inherently bad or that I don't like it, and I certainly don't want to make an idol out of the faithful poor. Uh, but my point is simply that if we measure faith by material blessing, if, if we measure God's presence by what we've got or what we don't got, we are going to get our mess metrics all messed up. You know, if we look at the testimony of the early church, we see that sometimes getting involved with Jesus means downward mobility, not upward. Sometimes it means giving away stuff so some folks can get some. In the early church, we see mountains brought down and valleys raised up, as Isaiah puts it, in very practical ways. And that's because it's a community of spiritual blessing. When the Spirit of God has her way, the old metrics don't add up. What used to matter doesn't, and stuff the world deems foolish becomes top priority. That's what happens when we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. When the, then the great inversions that we heard Mary and Zechariah singing about through Advent uh, begin to find shape in our lives. The new possibilities that the prophets have been singing about for just about ever uh, find expression in us and through us, sometimes much to our own surprise. You know, in an affluent culture like ours, where, where most of us don't go without much of anything, I think this is especially important as we try to figure out what it means to, to live to the praise of God's glory. I love that Paul uses that phrase twice. We live to the praise of God's glory. Um, what it means to live in such a way that our everyday lives bear witness to our faith. We need to lean in more and more to the gifts of God's spirit. And we need spiritual resources that outmatch our material ones. You know, in, in North America, Many of us have every spiritual blessing that doesn't seem to be making us happier or healthier or holier. You know, it's well documented that we are collectively among the most depressed, anxious, and hopeless culture the world has ever known. As someone who is as temperamentally and genetically predisposed to anxiety and depression, I know that I don't need more stuff, right? Most of us don't need more stuff. We need every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. And, you know, sometimes talking about spiritual blessing can be pretty vague, right? I often hear people talking about spirituality, but in very glowing terms, but it's not always clear how that plays out <laughs> in an office building or a classroom or a playground or the checkout line, whatever it is we do with our days. But several times over the past couple of weeks, I've pointed us towards uh, what Paul in another letter, in the letters of the Galatians, calls the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. 
And I, and I like this list because I think it gives us something to kind of grab hold of. It's not a closed list, right? Uh, Paul loves lists. <laughs> if you want another list of spiritual gifts, go check out 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for instance. But, you know, the fruit of the Spirit gives us a place to start in thinking about what it means to be a spiritually blessed people. In whatever we do, are we growing in Christ-like love? Are we growing in joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and generosity and faithfulness and self-control in our, in our work, in our play, in our relationships, in how we spend our money? Are we bearing witness to these things? You know, in this pivotal time, uh, when we may be a little more introspective, it, it would be time well spent to reflect on this question. And, you know, if nine fruits are more than you want to try and memorize, pare it down to the Advent themes of hope and peace and joy and love. It does my life reflect these things, these gifts? Am I receiving these gifts and am I sharing them? Because we are always blessed to be a blessing. And, you know, if we'll, if we'll lean into that, if we'll, uh, be bold about leaning into that question. And, and more importantly, where the answer is no, to have the guts to change what needs changing. I want to pay really close attention to what Paul says here. Right? The invitation is not what I'm seeing all over Instagram to manifest our best selves or just dig deeper into what we already have. The invitation here is to receive gifts in measures beyond what we could hope for left to our own devices. Right? In Christ, in the name and way of Jesus, we have access to stuff we would not have access to if God hadn't willed it to be so, if this wasn't God's desire for us. We have access to the storehouses of heaven. You know, our capacity to love doesn't come down to our best will and effort. Our patience is not limited to our particular mood or temperament. Our, our joy isn't dependent upon our circumstance. Our hope isn't measured by our abilities and our stuff. We are blessed. We're given by grace every spiritual gift that heaven has to offer. We don't have to find this stuff within ourselves. We get to receive it, more and more of it as a gift. Ask and it will be given to you. And I'm bold to say extravagantly. And again, we, we always risk letting these spiritual things become vague to the point of obsolescence. <laughs> so they don't mean anything anymore. These can easily become ideas that don't make their way into our lives. You know, I, I sent out an article this week by Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York City. And as I mentioned in the email, there are things I disagree with Tim about, but I've also learned an awful lot from him. And in this article, I was really grateful for his honesty about the fact that when he began to face a terminal cancer diagnosis, he, he realized that some of the things that he had long believed and believe truthfully and fully, he, he didn't quite have the flesh on them that he had assumed. You know, he admits that something like the hope of resurrection is easy to talk about in abstract uh, when death seems a long way off. And I think that's a pretty good, honest word from a guy who's been at this a long time. But I'm also, I'm also grateful for Tim's witness of the beauty of leaning in deeper of doing the head and the heart work, uh, of letting the stuff of our faith get really, really real, to let the word become flesh in us, 
to consider what it means to say that what God says about us is truer than anything else, that what God gives is more than we can ask or imagine, that what God wants for us and for this world is good beyond measure, that God in Christ has shown that there is nothing that will be held back. Right? That's what Paul wants for us too, here and now. Paul wants us to know, and here's the thing to know as we move into a new year. Paul wants us to know that we are chosen. God chooses us right now, right? No matter when and where we were not chosen, and we've all not been chosen before, no matter what, God chooses us. No questions asked, no qualifications. And God's ultimate choice will be, and listen to this, as Paul puts it, that we will be homely, (laughs) homely, (laughs) not homely, (laughs) we'll be beautiful, uh, Paul <laughs> will be holy and blameless in before him in love. Holy and blameless before him in love. Isn't that good? And that's both a fact and an invitation. The fact is this, Paul says, we are children of God, adopted into God's family, gathered into the holy family. God has marked us as beloved. That's a fact. That's what's truest about us. That cannot be taken from us. In the company of this God, we are holy and blameless in love. We are the objects of God's grace. As John says, grace upon grace, more and more grace. We haven't been given a little bit of grace. We're not a little bit forgiven. We're not sort of chosen. Uh, We're not like the last possible choice. God has lavished grace upon us. Lavished. That is a good theological word. Hear it. What a marvelous theological word. God has lavished the riches of his grace upon us. That is a fact. It is the condition of our lives. And the invitation is to lean into and live into that condition, to receive it, right? It's to trust that God has, in fact, shown us God's good plan for this world in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. When we look at Jesus, we see the height and depth and length and width of God's love for us and for this world. We see how far God will go to ensure that nothing, not even death, will separate us, that nothing short of God's love will get the last word on us. God is determined to gather up all things, Paul says, things in heaven and things on earth and bring them together and make the whole blessed thing new. And if that's God's determination, why would we settle for anything less? As we flip the calendar, who's dictating the terms of our lives? Is Is it God or is it something else? Are we living for the praise of God's glory, God's good and very good will for us and for all things, come what may? Or are we living for something else, something less? Are are we living as though our best will and effort is all we've got? Are are we willing to be people who believe and in believing learn to live as those who have been blessed, right? Not will be blessed, not might be blessed, not could be blessed if we were just a little bit better than we are, but we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Now, the, the fact is that we are children of God by God's good choice. The invitation is to get in on the divine family business, right? The the fact is that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. The invitation is to receive and to share in that gift, in that abundance. The fact is that God has shown us in Christ, the beloved, what it looks like to live in sync with the rhythms of heaven. The invitation is to go and do likewise. 
to love with a kind of recklessness with which we've been loved, to let the angels' good news of great joy spring in us like an eternal uh, spring, to, to be people who practice and prepare for peace. You know, we too often practice our violence and prepare to protect ourselves at all costs. But peacemaking isn't passivity, it's disrupting the ways of death without imitating the ways of death. We're to be people of peace. We're to be people of, of, of patience, right? The Greek word that sometimes gets translated in the sort of old-timey word forbearance, you know, which basically means to let someone be in debt to you. It's a forgiveness word. It's to stick with those we could toss aside. It's to love those we could hold in contempt. We get to be people of kindness and gentleness. These are the marks of true spiritual strength, whatever the world says. Anger and force are cowardly, but let your gentleness be known to everyone, Paul says in another letter. What would happen if everyone who bared the name of Jesus defaulted to kindness and gentleness and generosity? Right? We are blessed to be a blessing. We get to contribute with whatever we've got to what God is doing, to the flourishing of others. I mean, go read Acts 2, verses 43 to 47 after church, and tell me that that doesn't sound like a riot. And we are part of the same holy, chosen, and beloved community that was having all that fun, and it's for us too. We get to be people of faithfulness, people sold out for the promise that God will get the world that God wants, and we get to dig in and live for that. We get to be people of self-control, not tossed around by every women addiction, not wooed by every fleeting desire and temptation, but free. We are free, not for self-indulgence, but for love. And when the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. These, these gifts are ours for the receiving, freely and fully given. This really is good news of great joy for all of us. You know, it's time for me to wrap up, and I barely skimmed the surface of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the beginning, these beginning words. So I want to encourage you to spend some time in this passage. This is your homework, should you choose to accept it, uh, because this is a good passage for this season. It's a good word to, let, uh, to get into your bones. It's just to sit with. Let it get deep inside. But as we enter our time of silence now, I, I want to invite us to reflect on those spiritual gifts from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. If you have a Bible with you and you want to look them up, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Right? And I wonder if there's one that stands out, one that's kind of highlighted to you. Is there one that you'd like to grow more in? I want to encourage you to receive that, that nudge or that conviction or that desire as the Holy Spirit's invitation. You know, ask for that gift. Ask for that spiritual fruit to grow in you more and more. Maybe this is your practice for the year. Uh, which one stands out? Because here's the thing. When one fruit grows, the rest will follow. That's a guarantee. So come what may, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us to be holy and blameless before him in love. Come what may, may it be so. Amen.